Nebraska. Jake Buckman with you here on 93.7 The Ticket along with Austin Overman as we are here and ready for another Hoops postgame breakdown. Unfortunately, it's not going to be a fun one for Nebraska fans. Looked like it could be a good one uh, for, through the first half as Nebraska had a pretty good lead going uh, throughout a big majority of the night and end up losing this one. There's a lot to, to break down. Of course, it's only the first conference game for Nebraska, but they failed to start 1-0 for in-conference play once again, this time to the worst team in the league last year who went 2-19 and in Minnesota and who were without a their leading score for a majority of this game. So uh, lots to break down here. Austin, we'll go ahead and welcome you in and kind of get your initial thoughts on what is a very disappointing night in Husker men's hoops. That is an understatement. Box super understatement. This is a game that wasn't supposed to happen to this team. Nebraska kind of slugged through the first 12 minutes or so. You get to the U8 timeout in the first half, and Nebraska goes on a big run. Feels like Nebraska's in control, getting basically everything they want on the offensive end, rebounding pretty well on the defensive end. And then it all falls apart at halftime. I mean, you can see the cracks starting to show at the end of the first half with Minnesota getting that last bucket the way they did, but no energy for Nebraska out of the break. And to me, the story of the game is Dawson Garcia's uh, ankle injury, not being able to play. And I think that benefited Minnesota. When he was in there, you could tell they were looking for him as a stretch big, trying to get him the ball early on. And Rinkmast and Josiah Alec, I think, are, are good matchups for Nebraska on Dawson Garcia. When he went out, Minnesota had to rely on its guards to, you know, get downhill. But then Ola Joseph took over and Pharrell Payne took over. Those are guys that have given Nebraska problems in the past because they are insanely athletic. They can jump out of the gym and they're chiseled, right? Like PJ Flex probably asked four or five times if they can play tight end or defensive end. Those are legit athletes and Nebraska couldn't contain them on offense, breakdowns and ball coverage, uh, not tagging the roller in that two-man action sort of pick and roll. But really, Bach, the story of the last 12 minutes of this game for Nebraska came down to those two guys remembering they were the best athletes on the court and showing it. Nebraska had no answer for the size and the physical play, um, coupled with the effort that Minnesota showed. They got on that run, and Nebraska wasn't able to stem it, which goes back to what I've been saying, Nebraska getting up by 15, 17 points at the end of the first half, a veteran team like this should be able to essentially play the second half on cruise control. Somehow Nebraska wasn't able to, so they needed that emotional spark. Credit Minnesota for doing a good job on Casey Tomanaga all night, making his life difficult. Nebraska's got to find ways to get him involved. Uh, Bryce Williams only had one point in the second half. I wouldn't say he's an emotional leader, but you still see Nebraska searching for that size on the interior, and then that spark emotionally when other teams do go on runs. Either Nebraska has to be better on defense and not allow runs like that to happen, or if they're going to you know, have those emotional swings in games, they have to find ways to go on runs of their own, like they did over the last you know eight minutes of the first half, like they did to Oregon State, but they just haven't been able to find that spark these last couple games. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how you kind of look at that, and especially uh, you know the Garcia injury actually playing 
into Minnesota's hands. Uh, it certainly took him a while to to kind of make that adjustment, as you as you said. And so I think part of this too, and uh, and certainly will be a conversation after this loss. It's 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 just bound to come back up. Is uh, you know if you have too many more of these, then you kind of start to wonder about the future of the program. Do you believe Fred Hoiberg got out coached tonight? I think that's one way to to look at it, and I think you can look at it a couple different ways, right? Minnesota found something if time. Nebraska didn't, right? Nebraska wasn't able to run a play or find something that worked in the second half. And absolutely, some of that falls back on Fred Hoiberg. Um, I would say the other way that it could potentially reflect on the head coach is in the scheduling, right? Maybe we overrated Nebraska. Mm. I think the Duquesne win was a good win that will hold up. That's a really solid team. But Nebraska got away with playing a subpar first half. The reason I don't fully put this one on Fred Hoiberg or the scheduling or rotations or anything is because Nebraska was just carelessly sloppy with the ball. They averaged fewer than 10 turnovers per game coming in. Tonight, Bach, they have 18. Now, Minnesota tried to give quite a few of those back. Minnesota had 16 turnovers, so definitely not a clean game. But Nebraska gave up 24 points off of their 18 turnovers. Lots of Minnesota's turnovers, and I think the broadcast noted this, were dead ball turnovers where they had a chance to set their defense and force Nebraska to run action. Whereas, especially in that run that Minnesota made to not just get back in the game, but take the lead and push it to eight to 10 points, live ball turnovers with that, that alley-oop forcing that timeout from Fred Hoiberg on just a careless play, right? And again, those careless turnovers, those those lack of focus turnovers, even for just a split second, Minnesota was opportunistic and a team that's played as much basketball as Nebraska has collectively, if not together, shouldn't be prone to lapses to the tune of 18 careless turnovers. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, like you said, kind of an ugly game, sloppy game. Minnesota came in leading the the conference in turnovers, average about 14 a game. They had 16, and some of it you could see, it's like, okay, They've got, you know, they've got some guys here and there, but they're a little sloppy, and that's probably going to hold them back. Uh, but like you said, Nebraska matching the slop tonight and even and even surpassing it in the tune of two more turnovers than Minnesota. But again, kind of we'll have a lot of time to kind of break this down, but big picture discussion, it's, you know, I guess for those that are, are not ready to hit the panic meter, I see, I see uh, Byron in the tech and on YouTube chat, save time to hit the panic button. That was downright embarrassing effort without their best player is again, just the context in all of this is that Minnesota was two and 19 last year in the big 10. They did beat you. They finished Nebraska's season in big 10 play last year, but that was with Dawson, Dawson Garcia getting 18 and 13. And he's by far their best player. He goes out early in this game. You have a 14-point lead at half, and then just just a collapse and a disaster from there. And it was and it was a, a half that it kind of reminds me of the Michigan State game last year, where it's like the first half was like, man, this might be the best half we've seen this team play all year. Nebraska, you know, it was it, there was ways to look at that first half. I was thinking of all the storylines we're going to talk about, which is Nebraska shot two of 22 against Creighton from three. The first half, they don't focus on that. They only took six uh, three-point attempts in the first half, made three of them, but a lot of it was getting points inside. The first 10 points came inside, so it's like, okay, maybe they're learning how to play without a three-point shot falling for them. Um, the cutting, the, the bench scoring from C.J. Wiltshire, um, the fact that Tominaga hadn't scored and they were still up 14 points. It was like, okay, you know, maybe you know that's not great for in Tominaga's case, but for Nebraska's case, it's showing them grow as a team. 
And so there was just so many, such a, it's, it's a bit of a roller coaster. So it's just such a positive and feel like it's a good first step. And for what it's worth, Nebraska hasn't won their first conference game, I think, since the 2018-2019 season. So it would have been a little bit refreshing. We know about the difficult schedule coming up. I mean, so it, it was just this, this, this feel-good moment at half. And you're just thinking, like you said, just cruise from here. And then all those factors, all those factors that are factoring in just feels like a swift kick to the gut and right back to where you are as a Nebraska basketball fan, maybe where you feel like you belong after so many years of this. Uh, it, 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 it's hard to take. Meet new Nebraska, same as the old Nebraska. Right. It is really what it comes down to. I'm glad you brought up that Michigan State game, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about Michigan State later tonight and then throughout the week because that's Nebraska's next opponent. It was different, though, right? Minnesota hit some threes in the second half. Not a great shooting night for them. Five of 11 from three in the second half. Obviously, plenty to get the job done after they were three of 14 in the first half. But again, it was the offensive rebounds, right? Nebraska didn't have an answer. They kept trying to box out one-on-one instead of getting a second body. Minnesota wasn't crashing all five guys and saying, we're going to throw everything at the offensive glass. If you beat us in transition, beat us in transition. It was one or two guys right? Nebraska standing around with less energy, not getting a body, not not pursuing the basketball the same way that Minnesota was. And that led to some of those second chance points for Minnesota, those second opportunities in just some ridiculous circumstances, right? Payne had a couple of really nice finishes. Ola Joseph went beast mode a couple of times as well, that if it gets the body first, Minnesota doesn't get that feel good boost, right? They don't have a guy going one on three with, you know, just his pivot foot essentially, is all that Ola Joseph used on a couple of those moves. It wasn't fancy. It was it was Big Ten West football on a basketball court, and Minnesota <laughs> looked so much better equipped to play it tonight than Nebraska did. Yeah, it's a, it's it wasn't anything particularly spectacular from Minnesota, but it was also just, you know, that, that want factor, too, and, and just the game of momentum. And that's why I kind of asked you about the, the coaching tonight is because Ben Johnson, I would love to be in a fly in the wall for what he said at <laughs> halftime uh, to get him going or, 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 you know, where they kind of got that boost of energy. Um, and it just by the end of the game, it, you know, Minnesota had the momentum and then they were getting the effort plays. They were getting the, the you know the big time rebounds when he needed them. Nebraska ultimately didn't get out rebounded uh, by too much. In fact, won the rebounding battle thirty two to thirty two thirty two. Yeah, tied up. Um, but it felt like Minnesota was getting everyone down the stretch. Then they, I think the other story of this game is going from again a feeling that Bryce Williams may be you know looks like Jalen Brown out there in the first half, and then by the second half. Uh, Looks like, I suppose, finals Jalen Brown that couldn't go left. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't that particular problem. But they they figured out how to defend him. They figured out how to frustrate him. He tried to, um, you know, maybe feel like it was his night and tried to go a takeover. I, I think he did that a bit in the first half and was able to get, like, it further worked in his favor where he missed two shots and still ended scoring up scoring on those possessions. And so it just kind of felt like his night. And in the second half, they rattled him so much that he's grabbing people's legs when he's on the ground. And so getting a tech for that. Um, it was grabbing uh, the guards, the Minnesota guards foot on the tech that the Minnesota player ended up getting, um, but ultimately fouling out. And a lot of it just kind of over aggression, getting close, getting, you know, getting somewhat pretty good looks at the hoop, but just like converting him in the second half. He ended up with, I think, 17 points at halftime and 18 overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he split his pair of free throws pretty early in the second half. So Bryce Williams went a good chunk of the second half without scoring. Now, granted, he was on the bench with foul trouble for some of that. 
But again, that's that's self-inflicted. I didn't think it was the, the cleanest game, right? I think there was one after that technical. Nebraska should have got the ball back. Clearly off of Minnesota, two guys were between Bryce Williams and the sideline. Mitchell clearly ripped it out of his hands, and it goes Minnesota's way. But Nebraska didn't deserve that call, right? Nebraska wasn't. Nebraska didn't earn that call, right? Williams kind of stuck the ball out in front of it. Like, what's the guy supposed to do? Let you have it? No. Nebraska didn't get the same looks for Bryce Williams. Uh, the energy wasn't there to, to get him open. Uh, he missed some of the tough ones that he had available. And he got himself in foul trouble with that grab uh, for the, the fourth, burying the shoulder um, into the Minnesota guy's chest to try to force it for the fifth. But the one that stands out to me is near the end of the first half, or maybe the start of the second half, he jumps to contest that shot. He's played good defense on Cam Christie, but instead of just going straight up, he tries to block the shot. You're not going to get it. Cam Christie has a high release point, pretty good athlete that knows how to you know, get a shot off. You can respect the effort, but sometimes it's about trying easier, right? Not trying less, but trying easier. Bryce Williams did his job, forced that one. Then Nebraska was kind of in panic mode by the time he gets his fifth foul, just searching for an answer. And that to me, Bach is what kind of blows my mind about this team on the offensive end is there's no one guy that on his own can go get you a bucket. Maybe Casey, potentially rink mass, sometimes in the post Bryce Williams here and there, but there's no like Bryce McGowan's that can get a shot from anywhere on the court. No Alonzo verge with a first step. Uh, no Teddy Allen that can do things in a variety of ways, right? Nebraska needs to work as a team. And you would think that again, a veteran team, that shared the ball so well through the first seven games would understand to rely on each other when the going gets tough. But when they do rely on each other, they do move the ball and there is good action. Someone misses a shot typically that would, you know, stop the bleeding or Nebraska just completely abandons the Fred Hoiberg style of basketball, the motion, the movement and everything and goes and plays one-on-one. Nebraska is not good enough to do that. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I noticed that in the Creighton game, too, where there's, you know, guys are trying to step up um, and be that one that kind of stops the drought, gets Nebraska going once again. And it happened again tonight. Demarcus Lawrence eventually kind of got into that mode. I, I don't think with the, with the way he's been shooting thus far this season that that's necessarily where you want to go. But he did get like a step of three uh, and then a two there after that. He finished with 16 points. So that's one bright spot. He had spot. seven turnovers, right? It's good to see yeah. him get going, scoring the ball. I mean, three of five from three, I think, matches the number of three-pointers he's made all year. Um, hit a nice little step-back jumper from the left wing at one point. But your point guard can't have seven turnovers. Right. Bryce Williams had four as well. I mean, of your 18 turnovers, 11 of them come from your lead ball handlers. That's unacceptable regardless of the level of play. I don't care if you just picked up a basketball in second grade. You can't have 11 turnovers from your two primary ball handlers against a Minnesota team that wasn't pressing, wasn't doing anything special. They just took advantage of carelessness. Yeah, and those two players, like you said, led the team in uh, turnovers, also led the team in points. Uh, So at some point in time, it was kind of like a try-hard type of thing. But yeah, too uh, too many turnovers from Nebraska tonight. Um, lots to kind of break down here, uh, with Tamanaga not scoring. We'll get into that. The bigs, the lack of bigs, I suppose on defense, you already touched on, but how, how big of a concern is that in the future? Uh, we'll break on down all, all that stuff. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back here on the hoops post game show. Once again, uh, Nebraska drops their conference opener to Minnesota 76 to 65. They fall to seven and two overall and zero and one in conference play. We'll be right back to talk more Husker hoops here on 93, seven, the ticket. 
Back here with you on the Hoops Post Game Show. Nebraska dropping their conference opener to Minnesota 76-65. This with Minnesota being without their leading scorer, Darson Garcia, for the majority of the game, who ended up with zero points uh, because he rolled over his foot early in that game. And then Minnesota, who only averaged two guys in double figures all year long, Garcia being one of them, ended up with five guys in double figures and uh, Christie right there with nine points as well. Uh, so it's kind of a spread out attack from a Minnesota team um, that, again, mm, you know, has some pieces there, has some athleticism there, uh, but not necessarily what we're believing to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten, which is why it's particularly difficult for Nebraska uh, to lose this game. Uh, we'll get to some of your reaction. You can text us on the Sardaham text line, 402-464-5685. Of course, we are on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. We can get to your comments that way as well, and we will here in just a bit. But, Austin, I wanted to start by asking you, uh, what was case, what's with Kase Tamanaga tonight? Was he just really well guarded by Minnesota? Um, obviously, didn't take too many shots uh, kind of kind of started putting some up there toward the end, uh, but held to just uh, four points, all from the free throw line, 0 of 5 from the, from the floor. Yeah, I think it's something that Nebraska is going to have to figure out. It wasn't just tonight, right? He got some buckets against Creighton, but they were all tough. Casey hasn't had a lot of easy looks uh, this season. He got a lot of easy looks last year. Is a uh, good job uh, cutting without the ball, got some spot-up looks as well, but there's a scouting report on him, right? Minnesota did some different things. I did a lot of face guarding uh, Carrington. I think his name was for them. Uh, yeah. Carrington 13 points, but his best efforts came on the defensive end, right? We're seeing the limitations that Casey Tomonaga has in the system. Nebraska wants to run. I don't want to say he was a flash in the pan last year necessarily, or just like a, you know, a one hit wonder end of the season wonder kind of thing. I think he's more talented than that. But Nebraska's got to find ways to get him better shots. How do you do that? Either get the ball in his hands more, let him run pick and roll. Uh, that's what Strick has said Nebraska can do, that he has some of that off-the-bounce juice. He can create separation for the jumper. Start the pick and roll a little higher on the court, too, so he can dribble into a three-pointer instead of running it so tight where it's a long two or there's, there's length and there's size around a smaller guard. Or what has to happen is if Nebraska wants to continue running its same actions, then screens have to be better, right? They have to be set up better, whether that's Casey, CJ Wiltshire, whoever it is, Bryce Williams coming off a screen, set their man up a little more. It's communicating and being on the same page with whoever the screener is for the correct angle of the screen, where it is you're looking to catch the ball, how it is you're looking to catch the ball, and what you're planning to do with it after that. So there are ways for Nebraska to get Casey Tomanaga going, but... I don't expect him to be Nebraska's leading scorer the rest of the way. I think this is going to be set up more for Bryce Williams to be that guy. I think Casey is going to find himself relegated to kind of being a Thor or Thor Bjarnerson role. And I don't think that's where he's best, right? Thor was a little bigger, gave you some uh, benefits defensively and rebounding. Casey competes, right? He does with defense and rebounding. He's just not that big. Tonight, as much as Minnesota was face guarding him, throwing Nebraska out of rhythm, and Nebraska wasn't able to get him shots, I would have liked to have seen maybe some more C.J. Wilcher, maybe Sam Hoiberg, guys like that that you're not necessarily running plays for, but are proven floor spacers that Minnesota has to guard traditionally that lets you run the actions that you want the way that you want to run them. Again, K-State is a good player. There are ways for Nebraska to get him going. 
But that's maybe one adjustment Fred Hoiberg could have made was to make that tough call to sit one of your best offensive players unless you had the chance to go offense-defense. You had the ball coming out of a timeout to get him a look because you just didn't get a lot from Kase Tomonaga. And I think C.J. Wilcher's, you know, a little bit bulkier size. Sam Hoiberg's, uh, you know, defense at the point of attack, even if it's just for a spurt for Sam Hoiberg, I think that could have been helpful for Nebraska to maybe stem that big Minnesota run. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. It would have been a tough call to make. Obviously, Kese is always uh, one or two shots away from hitting three or four in a row. Um, so you're always kind of playing that game. But it was it was I, I thought it was well well defended. And again, also um, like you're saying, it was just it's kind of getting to a point to where Kese at, at last year could be effective without his shot for the night, and just wasn't tonight. Um, and, and this is all season, really, right. he's not shooting the same way. It's been difficult for Nebraska to get him any shots. And I think that that's a function of him being a little higher on the scouting report. Last year, you started with Greasel and Walker, even with Tomonaga really coming on strong, but he was option three on the scouting report. And, you know, he's still shooting 38% from three this year. It just doesn't feel like it, right. It doesn't feel like it has the same impact, especially, this last handful of games, right? Casey was really that emotional heart and soul of that team. He would spark the team to run, hit some absolutely ridiculous ones. The Casey heat checks were so fun. Got Pinnacle Bank Arena going, kept Nebraska in games on the road. We just haven't had that moment from him yet. And I think that's both a function of him being higher on the other team's scouting reports, but also how Nebraska is using him and the rest of the guys, the rest of the roster around him. Yeah, his chemistry with Derek Walker was something special by the end of the year. Obviously, don't have that uh, working for them either. You did mention C.J. Welton. I think he would have been a good option tonight. Um, I, I think he's a, one of the bright spots. Obviously, his cutting and then kind of got him going a little bit. He was able to hit a couple jumpers, one uh, from about the uh, the free throw line and then one from the top of the arc. Uh, what do you think about C.J.'s play? The only, I guess, the negative is it's this kind of the same thing with Bryce Williams. This was all in the first half. Uh, and then just, you know, didn't get anything. In, in fact, for him, didn't get anything in the second half. Right. Again, it comes down to consistency for everyone, right? C.J. Wilcher is not a guy that has a lot of creation in him, right? He relies on a lot of other guys to to set him up. And he's good down the scatter report. C.J. Wilcher did in that first half pretty much exactly what I think his role is for this team. He's a great glue guy that ties a lot of different lineups together because he's a good enough ball handler, good enough free throw shooter, good enough three-point shooter, acceptable on defense, okay positional rebounder. C.J. Wilcher is a great role guy. If you have to rely on him to win a game, it's kind of like other teams just forgot to close out on him or you know they just forgot about him backdoor. C.J. Wilcher is a good, solid player that I think can raise Nebraska's floor. But if you need him to, you know, raise Nebraska's ceiling, I think you're kind of grasping at straws at this point. He is what he is, at least in my opinion, that connective piece. And that's fine. He's carved out a good role for himself at the college level. And I think Fred Hoiberg trusts him. So I wouldn't be shocked to see C.J. Wilcher maybe get a little bit more time moving forward. Yeah, well, we point to the good. We can also kind of point to the bad. And Reek Moss has been a guy uh, that has been really good for Nebraska all year round. Um, tonight's a little bit troublesome, not just for this evening, but kind of looking forward in the Big Ten uh, to where there had been a concern coming into the season that, yes, Nebraska has size, but do they have the athleticism uh, kind of from that position? Alec, I, I, similar to Wilcher in a different way to me, kind of is what he is. Um, you know, you know, you know, you're going to get that that kind of 
big energy that he brings to the table, but sometimes not always contained. And so th- there, that's that piece. And, and he had he had a, a finite, I suppose, for himself, three points and three rebounds. He's had better and, and didn't play particularly well against some, you know, some of those bigs. But especially for Rink Mass t- uh, today, just four points, five rebounds, three assists. Um, and, uh, not, not, nothing as far as like the turnover or anything particularly bothersome. He missed two three pointers. You can expect that from him from time to time. Um, but for, in a game that was ultimately <sighs> Nebraska started to lose it with some of the rebounds down the stretch and, and some of the big men play down low and in Minnesota hit their threes in the second half. So it's not all on Rick Moss. I'm just highlighting this was not pretty. If you're looking forward to the big 10 bigs, the land of giants, uh, kind of the first test of that for Rink Moss. Right. And I I wasn't worried about how Mast and Alec would handle Big Ten bigs. Maybe I should be, right? Because Kalkbrenner kind of dominated that game and made Alec really do some soul searching, look inside himself like he didn't know what to do. And that's a really experienced college basketball player there. I still think against the majority of bigs, Nebraska will be fine. Again, I go back to, Ola Joseph and Payne are elite athletes. The rink mast isn't, so he has to be perfect with his positioning. He has to get in position, you know, that one beat earlier, hit them maybe one beat earlier as the shot's going up, you know, out of the hand instead of as it's in the air, right? Find the guy a bit sooner, rotate a step quicker. I still think there's value in rink mast. He's got to get those looks where his feet are set. And I also think we underrated to, to some degree just how good a finisher Derek Walker was. He had some wild misses at times last year when Nebraska was relying on him down the stretch. But I think back to what he did to Kalk Brenner in ED, even Julian Reese of Maryland, Derek Walker was crafty around the room. He found different angles and maybe he was even tougher than I gave him credit for. He was always when, okay, not always, right? He got out of control sometimes like every player does. But for the most part, Derek Walker in attack mode went in with a plan I think uh, Mast has a, a deeper kind of bag than Walker does, but I think Walker had more angles. He was better at finishing through contact. We haven't seen more than, what, three or four and ones from Nebraska big men this year with similar opportunities to what Derek Walker got last year. I don't know if that, that's Walker's you know, bag of tricks was better, better natural touch or what it is, but Rink Mast and Josiah Alec, not only do they have to rebound better on the defensive end, they have to finish at the rim on offense. It's not all Nebraska's guards as a lack of finishing at the rim. If these big men convert some more of these opportunities, that's an extra six, eight points per game for Nebraska, whether it is on the layup itself or bonus points at the free throw line. And it's worth mentioning too, Juwan Gary tonight, 11 points, uh, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, um, five of seven from the field. So he had another good night. Um, not much to complain about there. I thought he played pretty well. His defense at time, not quite up to par with, I think, to what he's probably built and deserves as a reputation. So I guess you would maybe kind of question that a little bit. It's it's up in his head, I think, because Jawan Gary, when he's engaged, when he's focused on what his assignment is, can be Nebraska's best on-ball defender. He can lock a guy down if he's engaged. But it happened against Creighton. It happened tonight. He either got caught ball-watching a couple times or just fell asleep, uh, you know, not sticking with his man or, or – sticking with his man too much instead of being in help position. Nebraska needs Jawan Gary to walk that, that fine line of, you know, aggression and recklessness because he brings that different sort of mentality that I don't think a lot of guys have, especially in rebounding and on defense, but he's got to play like that all the time. It can't come and go. And it especially can't go when Nebraska is in the middle of, you know, 
giving up a 15-point halftime lead. That's where Nebraska needed that Juwan Gary hustle and energy. They needed him in the game to just change up the tempo. He has it in him, but we've got to see it for a full minute's allotment out of him. Yeah, it's in, in just kind of reading through the comments um, a, a section over here. Brandon Smith uh, pointing out, how did we give up 52 points in the second half? I mean, obviously, you could do the simple math there. That'd be on pace for 100-plus in the game. Uh, 18 turnovers total for Nebraska. But that's how bad that second half got away from them. Obviously, they were up 14. They ended up getting doubled up. 52 to 26 in the second half. Uh, boy, is that going to be tough. <laughs> tough meeting, tough drive home, and uh, and probably a little uh, some tough words being shared on radio stations like this mm-hmm. across Nebraska in in the next day to come. Um, obviously, Nebraska, you know, has Michigan State coming up, Kansas State coming up. This was supposed to be of the four game stretch the most gettable. It was on the road, but. Uh, I mean, I don't think you could favor Nebraska at this point. I guess what is, at this point in the season, it, and it's it's very interesting because tonight was kind of your make or break. How do you respond to Creighton? And again, it went from first half, this is great, to how did how did that just happen? What was that second half of basketball that we watched? As you see this team where they are now, obviously we the 7-0 start, started seeing people put them in the top 36. You started seeing uh, NCAA tournament seeding with Nebraska next to their name. I thought that was a little bit too, too in front. Now it looks very much like it was. Where do you see this team? Because I'll, I'll just say it this way. And again, I don't want to start the Hoiberg talk because it's way too early for that in conference season. But just the, the straight facts of it is you you probably can't afford two or three more of these um, throughout the season. You just started with a stinker, one right away in Big Ten play. So, I mean, again, this is a team that was 500 last year. It's different makeup. They finally, in my mind, have something that's kind of sustainable that they could build on. Uh, from year to year with this roster, and I'm just my Nebraska basketball worriness <laughs> meter is 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 it is getting up because I know if there's two or three more of these type of nights, then uh, there's going to have to be some discussions. I was never NCAA tournament or bust with this team, and I don't think that no. is. Not, I mean, here's the thing: we should have been in that conversation by now, but I'm willing to give Fred Hoiberg a little credit for the identity shift he made after year three going into last year, which was year four, this being year five for him. But the the worry I have, Bach, with with this team, I know it's not a Duke basketball postgame show, but there, there are so many teams that know what they are. What can you say Nebraska does well? What can you say Nebraska has to lean on? You thought it would be you have two experienced big men that will rebound, will patrol the interior, that give guys uh, on a on opposing teams, different looks. Maybe it's not that you thought, okay, maybe it's the guard play for Nebraska that sets them apart. They have a lot of options. Well, Kese Tomonaga isn't getting the same shots. He was last year. It's not looking as easy to Marcus Lawrence adapting to a new role had his best scoring game of the night, but also his worst floor general game of the night with seven turnovers. Uh, Sam Hoiberg shouldn't be expected to be our leading scorer and has kind of fallen out of the rotation a little bit. I haven't seen any Romel Lloyd Jr. who was potentially expected to play a role. Then you look at the wing. Like, okay, Nebraska has two legit Division One wings. Bryce Williams for scoring. Jawan Gary for defense. But Nebraska doesn't, you know, run in transition. It doesn't slow it down. 
It doesn't, you know, put up 85 points per game consistently. doesn't shoot the three perfectly. doesn't finish at the rim at an elite level. And it also doesn't defend the same way last year's team did, I don't think. So Nebraska is still lacking an identity. And I think that's tough. We talk about that with football all the time. But I think for Nebraska to take that next step, it either had to, you know, lean further into that defensive identity and it had to start there. But I don't think this is an elite defensive team or it had to go the other way. Get better on offense, right? Avoid some of those long cold spells like you, you've had against Creighton, like you had against uh, Minnesota in the first five, eight minutes of the second half here. I just can't point to anything that Nebraska does exceptionally well or consistently better than opponents. And that's going to make it tough on a night-to-night basis if you don't know what it is this team can hang its hat on. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And it's interesting, too. I mean, you mentioned some of the the playing time that, that we that we see throughout the night. Obviously, maybe that could be something down the line. Or maybe if you don't have an identity, you, you maybe need to narrow it down. I mean, I'm, I'm just quite frankly interested in what Boogie Coleman's role is going to be. Because he can do this where he has really nothing on the stat sheet there's and then there's other games where he can you know put together some good assists look like a primary ball handler handler I mean he has not pushed himself to the level he was at previous colleges at Nebraska and and I think it's because it's not his role and so I'm just kind of interested in in you know obviously Eli Rice a young guy a lot of athleticism maybe not quite contained quite yet um, but I think that there is I don't know. Is there such a thing as too much depth in trying to find those roles early in the season? That that's maybe why they aren't finding an identity. No, I think you're you're onto something there. I think you would rather be too deep than not deep enough. You'd rather have you know a plethora of option and you know a good problem to have. Strick and I talked about this a little bit on the block. I'm sure we'll get into it tomorrow and, and when Strick gets back next week as well. But the rotation that we thought Nebraska was going to stick with was that starting group of Williams, Lawrence, Tomonaga, Mast, Alec. You're fine with that. That's a solid Big Ten starting lineup. Minutes for C.J. Wilcher, Juwan Gary's the first guy off the bench, and then sprinkle in some Sam Hoiberg and Jerron Coleman as necessary. Maybe Blaze Kata if he ever comes back from the injury that's plaguing him, but I was of the mind Nebraska wouldn't necessarily need Blaze Cata except in case of emergency. So that's 10 guys if you include Cata, nine bodies in that rotation that are going to get semi-consistent minutes. But really, if you combine the, the Hoiberg and Coleman minutes, you're down to an eight-man rotation, which is pretty solid. That's really where you want to be. Essentially, again, have nine guys playing eight guys worth of minutes. And that's okay. That's acceptable. It gives you options. It gives you ways to to mix and match on any given night. But we haven't seen Nebraska do that mixing and matching necessarily um, against opponents. They haven't found either a weakness of the opponent to exploit or a strength of their own that they can go to time and time again. So I like a an eight to nine man rotation because it gives you options um, depending on who's hot and what you need to do to counter the opponent. But at the same time, you would think Nebraska would have that that role distribution, that that knowledge of what the roles is kind of figured out by now. But Nebraska is still learning as it's going. And I don't think that's a transfer portal thing. I, I don't know if it's a, a coaching thing. Like, And every team will struggle to adjust to this to some degree. But the fact that Nebraska has so many guys that can do so many things 
there's not, again, a, a clearly defined, this is our go-to score. This is our go-to ball handler. This is, you know, our big man rotation 100% for sure. The versatility, I love. I'm a sucker for it. I love me some positionless basketball, like what, what the Warriors did with their, you know, lineup of death back in their first couple runs. What, what your Boston Celtics are able to do now uh, with, with a lot of wings. But there's a point where that's helpful and that, that's useful and it can play a role. But sometimes it's better to simplify, you know, just have a true one, two, three, four, and five, because then guys get out of their own heads. They're not wondering whose turn it is to make a play. He's Austin Orman. He is, uh, you can catch him on the block with Eric Strickland uh, tomorrow. Is Strick back tomorrow? Uh, Stricky should be remote. I still okay. have to touch base with him, but he is planning on being remote. If not, it's the uh, Austin and Nick show again. Yeah, well, I'm interested to hear from Strick, too, because I know he... Uh... He gets upset during games like this. If you ever watched a game, this second half <laughs> might have had a broken monitor. I finally watched here. a game with Strick on Sunday. Watched uh, Creighton sitting right next to him. Oh yeah, never seen that side of Eric Strickland before. It, it is. It's. Great. It's. He. He can get upset. So I'm. I'm. I'm interested to hear what he has to say. Of course, I'll be with the captain tomorrow morning at from ten to twelve, and we'll be back here on the Who's Post Game Show uh, after the Michigan State game, which tips off five thirty on Sunday. That'll wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we will be back on 93.7 The Ticket tomorrow morning. Early break.